The Freebuy Super Series is back. From August 28th to September 6th, America's Card Room will host the Freebuy Super Series 2, where you can compete for your share of $150,000 guaranteed prize pool absolutely free. Every one of the 57 events in the Freebuy Super Series is free to enter with guaranteed prize pools starting at $500 and spiral all the way up to the $20,000 main event. Where else can you win a share of $150,000 prize pools without spending a penny? Visit americascardroom.com today. Okay, welcome to Ask Alex, episode 56 on the OneOuter.com podcast, sponsored by americascardroom.com. If you want to get 27% rate back from americascardroom.com, simply sign up for your account using one of the adverts or links on the OneOuter.com website. That's all you need to do, and it will automatically pay you 27% rate back on your play. Follow us on Twitter at OneOuter.com and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash OneOuter. This episode and all other previous episodes are on OneOuter.com for free and also available via iTunes for free. Just search for the OneOuter podcast. Alex, you're with us today. You're back from your WPT adventure and you said you're a little bit sick at the start. You always seem to get sick when you go away to these places. Yeah, I'm not I'm not too bad, but I'm uh I I it's just something about I I don't think it's even just sick. It's just like when you're in Costa Rica, you're eating a certain type of food, drinking a certain type of water, and then you have a certain schedule and then you know, you go to the East Coast, like your schedule flips, the food is different and like, you know, what you just I I don't know if it's being sick, but you, there does your body's like acclimating to like the weather and everything, and then you come back and it's like ooh, uh, all right, time to go back and yeah uh, I I think just all the then you know going in that pressure chamber known as an airplane uh, definitely <laughs> does something, but yeah I'm all right I I am a little. Uh, Bleh, but uh, yesterday was a little uh, tough. I was kind of like cradled up into my uh, into my couch, like just for hours. But now I think I'm all right. So yeah, I'm here to do the one outer podcast, man. It's all good. Good stuff. Uh, yeah, it seems to throw me off kilter as well when you travel. When I was in Spain earlier this year for like two weeks you know it was like all-inclusive buffet you know so you were eating like loads of this whatever but it wasn't even just that I think it was the water with me I was taking ice in my drinks which I did a couple of years ago and I was fine but this time you know I was like mm, I felt a bit yeah just, yeah uh, when you get like, older those things like t- have an effect yeah I didn't think of that but I was only drinking ice water there but it's- yeah it's different minerals or something. I got told it's not even. It's not like it makes you sick, like bugs or anything. It's just different levels of mineral in tap water and stuff. Yeah, places. yeah. So. Well, it's it's bizarre in the states because it's like, uh, like I I go to Florida and I, I like I I got a I got a glass of tap water and I drank that. I was like that smells funky, you know, like that doesn't taste good. And then it's like, all right, I'm gonna go down. Uh, I'm gonna go to the vending machine. I'll go. I'll go get a bottle of water there. Well, you get like a Dasani or something. They're putting like salt in it and whatever. It's <laughs> like, man, I just want like a glass of water. Like I can get on tap in Costa Rica, which is quote unquote a third world country, you know. And uh, yeah, everything's kind of like that. It's like you. Uh, the, the cool thing about Florida is it's you. You do get a little more of the like food 
to be a little fresher. Like you can get a fresh like fish, like, uh, but I, I don't know, like you can't do that in a lot of the country, even in like Seattle, which is, you know, very much a, it has a very large like fishing culture. A lot of times the fish will taste a little funky, but mm. yeah, yeah. Well, the food, food. <laughs> how does it, how does it work? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's strange though. Like, uh, you take it for granted. Like, I stay in Scotland. It's probably I think it is the best water in the world. Um, you know, oh. and the mineral water and also the tap water here is excellent. Like, even when I go down south to like my friend's house near London. The tap water there, you wouldn't drink it, really. It's right. so bad, you know. Um, so, yeah, it is, you know, things you take take for granted. Simple glass of water. So, uh, how did your uh, tournament go? How did how did the play, play inside of things go and happen? Uh, when uh, the, the 5K main event was a bit of a faster structure than I... Uh, than I really expected. Uh, I think I think I played real well. Um, I, I did uh, one triple barrel bluff, which was like for the ages. Uh, but and then I got the living. I I I got like the worst bluff ever done to me ever. Uh, like not like bad. Like the guy played bad. Like I didn't know the guy would do it, and I folded. Uh, I mean, okay, to like to get to like paraphrase. Um, there was a woman at this. Uh, there was a woman at my table to my right who was clearly a bit more of a gambler. So I was trying to pick on her. Uh, not not necessarily a bad player. Just I thought would call down a little too much. And then on the river, I could do some like uh, I I could do some bluffs. And. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had Queen Nine of Hearts. She opens for 1K at 200, 400. I make it 2.2K on the button. Uh, she calls. Board comes 854, uh, uh, two clubs, one heart, which is really good because now I have a lot of backdoor straight draws and flush draws. Uh, I, I bet like uh, 3K. She calls. Uh, the turn is the Ace of Spades. Uh, this is pretty good for my range because I have a lot of like ASX that continuation bets the flop, but she probably check folds like her ace jack, ace ten, ace nine combinations suited combinations, and uh, so is so it, it probably ace king and ace queen a little bit more than she should too. Like she probably should be check calling some of those with backdoor flush draws, but. Actually, she probably does with the backdoor flush rubs, but she probably folds, like, the other, you know, uh, many other ace-king, ace-queen combinations, right? So that's more in my range than her range. So she checks, and I bet, uh, I want to say, like, 5.5 or something like that. Oh, no, the C bet was 2.5. My turn bet was 5,000. Okay. And then uh, she she takes a little while and calls. And then the river's the ace of clubs. I now have queen nine high. Uh, but the flush rock came in and again, I, I really just say this hand because this is a real lesson in capped ranges. She probably would have check raised like a flush draw with overcards. She mm-hmm. probably would have checked, you know, it's a lot less likely she has an ace here now that there's two of them on the board. Uh, and she, a lot of her range also is like six, seven, which is now missed which we have showdown value versus so a lot of people would say check but that's a very small portion of her range uh but 
a lot of her range here now is like sixes, sevens, eight x, five x, uh, nines, tens, and maybe even a uh, uh, maybe even a little smaller. And then uh, so she checks me, and I bet I think it was like eleven thousand six hundred, and it didn't leave me many chips because we start with like thirty k. And she took, you know, the better part of half an hour to fold, but, you know, and I'm sitting there and it's like, it's really weird now, like when I bluff, like I really don't care what happens because like I've thought through the whole thing. So I was just kind of like getting impatient. I was like, could you figure it out? Like, you know what I mean? But like, I didn't want to like, you know, rush her or anything. Right. But yeah, that, that worked. Uh, Then there was another hand that was just the guy played it really well and nobody ever plays this situation. Well, uh, the board comes, um, uh, one, one second. Uh, sorry. I thought I was about to sneeze. Oh, yep. (laughs) Excuse me. And then, uh, uh, gentleman raises from a early position. Uh, villain calls middle position. Uh, the same woman calls. I call on the button with ace, ten of clubs. Uh, the board comes uh, and big blind calls. Board comes queen of clubs, seven of clubs, uh, two, two offsuit, right? Uh, mm-hmm. It gets checked around to me. I lead. A uh, guy who's been playing like 10-9, like the nittiest player at the table, calls, right? And then another... Uh, uh, another another guy calls excuse, to his right. Sorry, I forgot to bring him in in the initial analysis. The girl folds. Uh, the the one guy has been like very uh, uh, the the one guy has been like very loose, uh, and the initial guy is like really tight. Uh, the turn comes the seven of hearts, and it gets checked at me, and then I I decide to check because I think it's pretty impractical for a queen to fold here. Uh, I, I just, I'd be rarely surprised if a queen's going to fold. I think the overcall on the flop could have contained a lot of 7x. So the river comes, uh, I think, I, the, eight of, the eight of clubs. And the initial guy leads out uh, for like 3.8k. The other guy calls uh, 3.8k. And I make it like, I, I make it 13.8, right? Assuming the initial guy, he he's probably leading like flushes. That's probably what he's leading. Since he's so needy, uh, needy, he's so nitty. Uh, it's it's pretty unlikely. Uh, it, it's pretty unlikely he's leading a queen there. He might lead a seven. I don't really expect him to like call with a seven. So I make it 13.8 there, and he time banks for, like, the better part of an hour and then makes it 33.8K. And it comes back to me, and I, I don't even think about it. I, I just I, – I, I muck it face up because nine times out of ten, I get the, like, really disconcerting stare, which means, like, I was right when I muck face up, which is, you know, like, how dare you? How could you do that? But I was like, oh, he hit – you know he had pocket eights. Uh, he he had he, he had pocket eights. He had seven eight right. Or or he flopped it on the. There's also this new trend of like people like calling with sets when there's a flusher out there, which I don't think is like a really bad thing. 
because it doesn't like necessarily cap your range when you do check call on that board. But I, I, I was like, try to give this guy a bluff. Like what is this guy's like 10 is the nittiest player at the table. What does he lead three bet here? That's a bluff. Can you come up with anything? Like, no, I, I couldn't really come up with anything. Right. The, the hand I'm going to tell you because will make perfect sense. Right. So I, I show him the hand just like, all right, but it like, you know, well done on your seven, eight, right. <laughs> or whatever it was. Right. And then, uh, he like, uh, he, he he goes, this is the biggest hand I've ever turned into a bluff in my life, and he shows seven, six of clubs, which if you right. think about it, it makes perfect sense because now he's blocking all the full houses, but he can't really call versus me because, like, I'm not really – I'm not raising, like, a seven that often, you know what I mean? Like, I, mm. I don't I, – I, I guess I could raise fold a seven, uh, but it's a little too likely someone has a flush. But, yeah, like – thinking about it like ranging wise he should turn that hand into a bluff but like a nobody ever does that so i didn't expect that i thought he he you know he later told me he was like if i had a, any other flush i probably would have just called you but since i was blocking the full houses i thought i had to three bet and then uh so and then the other guy I, I mean, the other thing is, like, he's supposed to turn this into a bluff, but, like, nobody does it. And then if anybody's going to do it, is it really the guy who, like, this guy literally played, like, five hands out of the first hundred we played, you know what I mean? And they they were clearly, like, you know, good hands. So I was uh, I, I was pretty shocked by that. Um, that If I had called there, that would have really changed the tide of the 5K. I, pro- I would have had... Uh, I would have had a ton of chips. Of course, if I called and I was wrong, I was out. And I couldn't really come up with many bluffs. And uh, I I didn't even regret it. I was just like, whatever, you know, when it happened. Uh, But, yeah, a little later, I had 6-7 off. And I called out of the big blind when somebody raised to, like, 2.2x. And a couple people called. And the board came 6-6-8 to diamonds. I let out really quickly because a lot of people think that's always a flush draw when you do that. Sure enough, a guy raised. I three bet. He four bet all in. I called. He had jacks. He run a runner to flush. <laughs> I was out of the <laughs> tournament. And uh, yeah, and then I, I cashed in the 2.65k the next day. That was uh, that, that was pretty cool. I, I had a ton of chips and I lost pretty much all of them right before the end of the day. Uh, which was, you know, it was just like bad, uh, just bad hands happen. Like one, one hand I was pretty proud of, like a guy like hit a full house and on the river, I had like top pair with a really good kicker and he checked to me and like, there was no reason for me not to bet, but for some reason I didn't want to bet. So I checked and he showed me the full house. I was like, sweet, I'm still in this tournament. And then. Yeah, I, I essentially busted my ass to get him the money. I obviously want to flip short stack, but yeah, I got into the money and then I had to win another flip and it didn't happen. But you know, it was a, it was a good trip. Deal, mm-hmm. Dealers were really cool. Uh, the dealing staff there was like really, really professional, really good. And then, uh, yeah, like I, it, the players were not obnoxious <laughs> i don't know something yeah. <laughs> something about vegas does that to people it doesn't seem to happen as much in florida but yeah it was a, it was a good time good good i think the vegas thing is it can be 
you either get the extremes. It's either guys that are just having a great time and seeing Vegas for what it is, and like, oh yeah, you know, cocktails and like, let's have a good time and gamble. And yeah. then you get the other people with like their sunglasses, hoodies, uh, and, yeah. uh, headphones, thinking that it's the World Series. They're like one-two cash game or whatever, and it's just. You know, I'm thinking of a specific, there was a specific kid who like yelled something at me at a table at the Venetian. I yelled right back and I, I was quite a bit meaner when I did. But like every time I walked by him in Florida, I like, I, I don't know why. I, you could tell like he was scared of me, but I kept staring at him and like getting a little too close to him. But it was like, I honestly felt like. I, I I was just messing with the kid, but like I mean, if he ever came up to me, I was just it, I I was just I did it smiling, but I was like, because I you know you try to make buddy buddy, but at the same time it's like yeah I, I feel like I have to make these people uncomfortable because they're so ridiculous. Like yeah. you're gonna be screaming at people at a poker table. Like I mean, the best part of my job now is like going to these tournaments. Like it, it's. It, it, it's fun, you know what I mean? It's like, it's really fun to play. Like, even uh, even when I busted that 5K, I had a good time. I, it's not like I didn't learn something. It's not like I didn't, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah in, like, it, it's weird to me to see people just, like, so blatantly disrespect that, you know, just it make the, you know, make it make it a uncomfortable time for other people. I think that's so weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, let's get into the questions. Okay, so the first question is from Aaron Lapointe. Uh, I have a follow-up question to the donk betting Alex spoke about. The range that he tended to lean towards for donk betting is the range I expect people to lead with. A lot of weakish top pair type hands, some weak draws, etc. I'm wondering how he deals with being raised. Is it something I do to donk leads almost always? I'll typically size just larger than click back all the time. How is this for sizing? But back to the initial question, with the range Alex explained, he's donk leading with, how do you balance that? Is he donk leading some sets, over pairs, or stronger draws? I'm a bit confused with the range here. Also, are we turning a lot of donk leading range into bluffs on the river since our equity, with a lot of donk leading hands described, will decrease in equity by the river? Just started listening to the podcast, and I dig it, guys. Keep it up. I uh, I need I need some caffeine for this question. Uh, <laughs> not, not not I'm not drinking it. I'm just I'm just joking. Uh, but um, th- this is one of those weird things because something I say all the time is like, do not donk lead your weak pairs, uh, because if you don't if you donk lead a pair, you're gonna have to go three streets with it. So it tends to be the cutoff point with my pairs are really strong top pairs that are likely to remain top pairs. So, like, if your top pair is, like, an ace or a king, uh, that's really likely to remain top pair throughout all three streets. Uh, Mm -hmm. If there's no flush draw on the board, it's really likely to remain uh, clearly, usually, the best hand. Uh, So I will donk lead there more. I really do not lead with weak top pairs because that would be... uh, uh, it, 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 at, at any point, if you check, it, it kind of lets everybody know I have a weak pair. Please play accordingly. I'm wondering what this guy was listening to because I I can never remember saying that. Uh, the hands I tend to donk lead are hands that I can either fire all all the way down uh, if I pick up anything, or if they miss, you just let it break out. 
Uh, but like three to a straight flush is a great example because there's half the deck on the turn will give you more outs and you can keep firing the turn. And, uh, you know, if, if the board is like good for you, uh, good for your range, not quite as good for the other person's range, you can keep firing as a bluff. And that's really what I try to focus on is when I can fire three times, but I try to pick hands that can easily be played for value or hands that can easily be played for a bluff. So versus uh, a hypothetical like clickback, like this gentleman is suggesting, like a 2.2x, if I have like the three to a straight flush, well, that's a pretty hand. It doesn't really, it's not really worth anything immediately. So a lot of times, uh, most people's raising range is pretty capped when they raise a donk lead. Like, let's say the board, like, one of my favorite boards to donk lead versus for years was, like, uh, it'd be, like, king 2-2, right? Because back in the day, you could not raise a king on that board. Actually, even today, a lot of people won't raise a king, right? So I would lead there knowing if the guy raised, he never had anything. So I would lead, the guy would raise, and, like, before his chips were out, I would have the three bet out there. And uh, a lot of people just feel like, oh, this was prepared. Uh, this guy obviously has something. I'm going to go ahead and fold. And that's really what you want to be looking for. Now, obviously, the hopefully the situations are a bit more nuanced uh, these days with what you select. Uh, but generally, you're looking for hands that are like, you know, need a, need a little help so you can keep barreling so you can turn them into bluffs. Uh, or you're looking for hands that are already pretty set up. Like, uh, I, I donk lead a lot of sets. Uh, like I like I discussed in my Florida trip review, I donk lead like I donk lead like trips there, uh, you know donk lead like week two pairs, uh, stuff like that really helps out. And uh, it, it, the other thing is like you have to think again, you have to think of like what the person is raising. Like if the board is like king deuce eight, and the guy raises. Uh, like a lot of times, like his raising range is like king eight suited and. Uh, uh, like a set and a lot of times he would just flat with those hands so you lead out there and he raises and you know he's not capable of doing that with king jack or king queen because you know like we hear all the time like w- with uh questions that come into this uh station is like what am i gonna do if the guy three bets me i don't know and everybody is so afraid to like raise fold a pair so that really isolates their range into like two pairs and sets, and there's just not that many of those. So if you lead out and the guy three bets you, I mean raises, you should be really considering three betting. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it tends to work pretty well. Uh, in most of the students, I've tried to elaborate on with this and see them work on it. And uh, it, it seems to work pretty well. But yeah, I wouldn't be a big fan of uh, the weak pair lead unless you have a plethora of backdoor draws that you can keep firing because, uh-huh. uh, because, because it's just, uh, uh, it, it's just a little too weak. And at some point you're probably going to have to check and then wave the white flag. I just, I always wonder why people hear me so wrong. Like, am I saying things like differently? Like there was one time I was like, I, on my Twitch channel, this is a bit off topic. I was like, there are some poker players you will meet, and you're going to have to deal with this, who have never run bad. Like, in the few years they've played, they've never run bad, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, 
uh, they're gonna tell, they're gonna say very snide things because they think everything's figured out. But you, you just don't say anything. Uh, unfortunately, well, I mean, fortunately for you, if you want to engage in a little shot in Freud, uh, <laughs> they usually don't uh, do that well after a couple of years. But they, uh, you know, just leave them be. You don't have to listen to when they tell you you suck or whatever, right? And then later, uh, Jason Mercier came up, and I was like, Jason Mercier is just, like, the sickest, right? I was like, 20 minutes later. And then, like, this guy gets in the chat, and he was like, okay, so we know you think Jason Mercier is a lockbox, and nothing bad has ever happened to him in his entire life. And I was like, you know, I know I know for a fact that's not true. That guy has gone through hard times, but it's like, I bet they get, you know, I bet people come up to him at tournaments or on the rail on Chad and go, you know what Assassinato said, you know, <laughs> and it's, a, it, it, it's bizarre because then I end up defending myself for something I never said. Like, that's, uh, yeah. you know, that's weird. That's, it, it's... Welcome to the internet. Yeah, welcome yeah. to the internet, <laughs> essentially. Yeah, well, I was just really surprised by this because... He, he zeroed in on the one hand. I think I've always been very clear. Do not donk lead this. Like mm. you're so maybe maybe in his defense, he's maybe just said he's maybe has like sorry he's thinking um the range he said the range he tended to lead towards for donk Ben is the range I expect okay. people to lead with. Is the range I expect people to lead with a lot of weakish top pair type man. So maybe he's just slipped that in there thinking it himself that's a weakish pair, right. weakish hand to lead. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe he wants to respond to that. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm yeah. I'm sure he didn't mean it in any like it's yeah. it's an yeah. yeah, just just uh, yeah. Sorry, Aaron, but don't don't ever email in again. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, yeah, let let us know in case. I mean, I, I copied it and pasted it directly. He posted it on the oh, one our cool. Facebook page, so I copy pasted it directly. So we hope that the information Alex gave you anyway uh, is good for you. And if there is anything else you want him to pick up or touch on, just email it back in, and we, we'll go over it again. And uh, what I was going to say is that when you say, like, when someone dunk bets and they think, oh, you know, he's got nothing here, and they raise you, and then you should be thinking about raising them. Does that not open up, like, sometimes... It should. You know, it, it should. It just doesn't for some... Yeah. Like, yeah. like I think uh, nine times out of ten when a guy three bets over his donk lead, he has it these days, which theoretically sh should not happen. Because yeah. obviously, like, the ground work is there for a three-bet bluff. Like, very, very, very purely There, there's that. So, yeah, and... Uh, by the way, man, the guy who sent in this email, I wasn't ragging on you. I, I, I was more worried, like, in a fugue state, I said something wrong. I wasn't, like, I was I was just wondering, like, did I say that at some point? Yeah, I, I, ju I just hope I had an email saying, like, episode 46, uh, 18 <laughs> minutes, 38 seconds in. Uh, so be quiet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Donk, lead your small pairs. It's a great yeah. idea. Get more value. And yeah. Then, yeah, yeah. Weakish top pair type. Weakish top yeah. pairs, yep. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, okay, Aaron, uh, we hope that's covered you and gave you a bit more info to sort of look into. Uh, the next question is from... Okay, I'm going to try... Hiro Yoshikawa. Hiro Yo oh, Yoshikawa. J-I-R-O. Cool, I'm, I'm assuming he's Japanese. Yeah, and I'm, assuming, I'm assuming you pronounce it like Hiro, the J like an H. Oh, I don't know. You ready? You want to hear my Japanese? Yeah. Ego Hanashimasu ka? 
biru onegaishimasu. I said, do you speak English? And uh, one beer, please. There you go. That's a three, three years of studying Japanese. That's what I have left. But uh, yeah, anyway, I, you know why I went to South Korea? Because I studied Japanese for three years. <laughs> no, people would, yeah. al- people would always be because like some of them have to speak Japanese for business there, right? So like back then when I was 19, I was right out of high school. So I, I still remembered some Japanese. So, like, I'd speak Japanese, like, to get my point across. And then they'd go, why the hell are you in South Korea? Like, you know, I was like, yeah, that's a good question. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. And, uh, but, yeah, anywho, let's, uh, hey, it's good to, uh, uh, I think this is our first Japanese caller who's not a caller. I think, I think, it, I think it is, yeah. Uh, cool, um, man. And, okay, so there's a few abbreviations and stuff in this, so again, let me just try and read this out. All right. Um, you know, hi, Alex, I often hear you say things about... <coughs> yeah, go um, ahead, sorry. Hi, Alex, I often hear you say things about a big blind flatten range, like he's only flopping a pair, a gut shot, or a flush straw, or so, uh, X percentage of the time. If I go into Flopzilla, I can see with my range how much on a specific board I flop but not on average on all boards combined. My question is, how do you model these kind of frequencies? Uh, specifically, how do you model how much a specific flatten range hits on average to flop with? So, i.e., a, per- a 21% flatten range uh, in the big blind, how often of the time does it hit something with a part of the range that can continue with, like a gut shot, pairs, flush shot, etc.? I mean, I can do the breakdown, but differs according to the range construction, I would think. Because pairs suited cards, unpaired, and their weighted frequency in the range makes a difference how much of the time we hit something. Do you model it in Cardrunner's EV and then run a sim that goes through all board textures? Or do you do it with Hold'em resources or so? I use ICMizer, Flopzilla. I have Cardrunner's EV but I don't really use it. Thank you very much. Uh, I would use, uh, I, I was trying to do it. Well, I did it during the question just to make sure I didn't imagine it. Uh, but <clears throat> because he said he used Flopzilla and he couldn't do it on Flopzilla. But uh, if you, uh, uh, I'm just looking at Flopzilla right now. Make sure you have the newest version uh, you put in. So I just put in like a 21% flatting range. Uh, well, this is, uh, like, let's say I'm going to do a 21% flatting range. Uh, so I'm doing a 20% flatting range here. And, uh, in the old days you had to click on the dinosaur and, uh, <coughs> he would let you know how often the range would hit. And then you could put a filter next to everything and see how often that hits. So I just did a 20% calling range and that's ace jack suited down to ace two suited king-queen suited down to king-nine suited, queen-jack to queen-nine suited, etc., down to the 5-4 suited, 6-5 suited, 6-4 suited, nines through twos, queen-ten off, queen-jack off, king-queen off, king-jack off, king-ten off, ace-queen off, ace-jack off, ace-ten off. And uh, over to the right under statistics, it seems to automatically still do it, where it lists out what the guy has, and you can put a little check mark next to each thing that lets you know uh, how often it hits. So let's say I want to see how often our guy, I, I consider hitting the board like middle pair better, middle pair or a draw are better, like weak pair, uh, 
generally, I guess he'll defend with, but he's going to be missing 60% of the time because it says at the bottom range has hit 40.1% of the time. Uh, if you give him like, uh, uh, one caveat is like, if you give him like all the pairs, every draw and except for gut shots, range is going to hit 52.8% of the time, but that still means your opponent has no pair, has nothing, has no draw 48% of the time. So like if you bet half the size of the pot, that needs to work 33% of the time. You'll still be doing a pretty good profit. Um, generally when I'm just like exploring, like how often like calling ranges hit, uh, I use Flopzilla for like shorthand. Uh, I, I use Flopzilla just for like a lot of like really quick things uh, because I just wanted to see as a challenge if I could do it uh, while Barry was asking the question just to demonstrate how fast it is. Cardrunner ZV is a lot better, but it's a, uh, as far as like getting EV calcs and stuff like that. If you check out my new Cardrunners videos I'm going to have coming out, I do a lot of work with Cardrunner ZV, just discussing how we can use typical situations. Uh, Cardrunner's EV looks very intimidating at the beginning, but it works really, really well once you get it. And uh, it's not too hard. Like, uh, I'll sh like uh, I, I have videos where on Cardrunner's already out where I use it. And it's, it's actually, it's, it just looks a little more convoluted than it is. Just because you have to like put all the nodes and you have to put all the different branches of the tree and whatnot. But after you get it, it, it's pretty simple. And, like, there, it's really good for, like, short stack situations because the number of decisions are pretty finite. So, like, if you want you want to look at CPAC... <laughs> so now, just, I, that's, uh, that's my business line. <laughs> that's, uh, are, are, you, are, are you getting a call from the Titanic or what, what I, is... I'll let, I'll let you know there's a funny thing to this actual ring. Hang on a minute. He's about to hear from his detective. <laughs> yeah, this is Chalmers investigating. You know? <laughs> so what it is, is it's actually a vintage, it is a real vintage phone. I was actually testing it and I forgot I left it plugged in uh, to that number. So I normally have like a cordless in, but this is one of those ones that you actually drill the numbers round. You know, you go from like, <laughs> it, it, like that. that. Like it, like, yeah, like the bat phone or something. That, that ring drills in your skull too, ironically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. It was... A... Uh, it, it must have been like one of these uh, things. I, I should say, I very rarely get calls on it or I get like, uh, can we interest you in this PPI <laughs> stuff? Like insurance yeah, and credit I, stuff. I, I, Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Let, that took, that took me back to sun, like Sunset Boulevard or like the Maltese <laughs> Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you, what do you know? What do you, what do you want me to find out about your husband's <laughs> murder? <laughs> but anyway, sorry. Um, but yeah, Cardboard TV. Um, yeah, it's a hell of a thing. It's really it's newer than these phones. It's uh, Cardrunner ZV. You wanna? <coughs> it's really good for short stack situations because the number of decisions are pretty finite. So, like, you can really do this with okay, the guy flats, and you know, I see bad knee defends with this amount, and then you know, it's going to be pretty concrete. And uh, solid on the turn or flop. It's just he either check jams with this or on the turn, 
you know, you put him in with this. And it's a really good, like, starting. I think you should start with, like, short stack situations should you jam or fold uh, over certain raises or just, like, flat and take very basic situations. But what I just described is, like, a really good, like, second thing that you could bring in. And then uh, when you do do that, you'll find out, like, oftentimes uh, if the guy – uh, oftentimes, like the cold, the flatting range I just gave, twenty percent, is extremely. Uh, it, it, that's extremely narrow, and it was a very strong range. Like these days, people are flatting like ten five suited and like ten six off, and stuff along those lines. So even if the guy's just folding half the time, let's say you make it like two point five x, and the guy calls and then he folds 50% of the time, Assume, even assuming like the hand ends, you don't get anything else on the Turner River, uh, you, you, which is not really likely. A lot of times you do back into something on the Turner River. You'll on average be making out of this person 1.25 big blinds, which is obviously quite a bit more than if he just folded the big blind. And this is why it's so great that everybody's flatting their big blind now. And, uh, yeah, uh, I, I think I pretty thoroughly covered that. I, I don't think you need to uh, – those are the two programs I use. If you'd like a deal on any of them, write me at assassinatocoaching at gmail.com. And if you'd like uh, tutorials on how to use all this stuff, be sure to sign up on Card Runners with promo code FREEMONTH, all capital letters, and that will give you two months' access to 3,000-plus videos. I think 2,000 – yeah, 2,000 videos, excuse me. Two months' access to 2,000-plus videos. Uh, for $30, and there's stuff by Ape Styles there, and he's the best of all time, and Matthew John, the leading theorist of all time. And if you want Chalmers and Fitzgerald private investigators, mm -hmm. then just just call me on that number. What a, what a, <laughs> here's looking at you, kid. <laughs> it, made me, it made me think of Dragnet. You've seen that? No, you know, I haven't what, seen Dragnet. What's a Dragnet? It, well, I think it was originally a, a t television series, like Cops. Oh, but yeah. there was an 80s film with Dan Aykroyd and Tom Hanks. It was called Dragnet, oh. and it was based on it. it was, oh, it's good. It's good. No, I want to check it. it out. I like old Tom Hanks, man, before he became Tom Hanks, man. He had some, yeah, he's good in this. He, he's good he had this. some wanky rules, man. They were pretty... It's weird to think, like, there was a time Tom Hanks was not, like, the biggest actor of yeah. all time. Like, there was just, there was a time he was doing, like, bosom buddies and stuff like that. Like, but anyhow, anyhow. Yeah, it's a very technical episode, uh, smattered with uh, Alex's coughing and my phone going <laughs> off and things like that. So, it's good. I think that's what we'll call this episode. Like, Smattering. Keep it technical or something. I'm technical. Uh, I'm tech the, the funniest, there was a battle rapper. Uh, have you ever heard of the rapper Cannabis? Spelled like yeah, can yeah. cannot bust. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. Cool. Double N, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. No, just one N. But yeah, you know what it's you know what it's bust. Yeah, I know that cannot one. Yeah, bust. Cannot yeah. bust. Yeah. He did his first like battle in like twelve years, right? And like he choked in all three rounds, and then he got mad at the audience. He was like, "Look, man, I'm technical, right? I'm I'm technical. I don't I don't do this freestyle crap, like you know. And I'm, nobody's mentioning he had three months to write it." So, yeah. like, he could have been technical as he wanted. But, yeah, somebody made a Twitter account uh, called, like, Cannabis, you know, Cannabis Rhymes or something like that. And he was like, 
He's like, yo, what's up, Assassin Auto? I'm staying technical over here. What you doing? And I was like, I just lost it every time I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> the, the account was just him ran, randomly rhyming words. Would. I misunderstood. That's really good. <laughs> staying technical. But yeah, anyway, sorry. I found that mindlessly amusing. I had to share that with someone. Um, okay, next question is is another technical uh, question, Alex. Damn, man, give me, give me, uh, give me more about my life. I like those. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anybody's interested in your life. Good, good, good. yeah, fine. I think they're all just just jumping on your brain and getting out what they can. Uh, uh, this uh, this guy Chase Bianchi is a good example of like how I reduce this show. He emails in a lot of questions. He keeps them coming in. And he's getting max value from it. It's effectively free consultation from Alex. So, guy, keep your questions yep. coming in. Everybody should follow his suit and, you know, get what you can sort of thing. Because yep. yep, Alex good. is throwing it out. He's throwing it out for free. Mm. Um, okay, I have been working on plugging holes in my handrage distribution as of late. And want Alex's feedback on two hands I play. <laughs> <This> is... <laughs> This is at some point I'm just gonna be the human card runner Z V. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, go ahead, go ahead. I have been specifically focusing in session on board textures where I don't have an intuitive idea of how to balance. Okay, the first hand is an example of constructing my bluffing range. Here is the hand. It's a five ten NL game, fifteen hundred stacks plus fifteen hundred plus stacks for everyone. Loose passive player limp. Second limp, hero limps, king four is suited on button, blinds come along. Flop is two three six rainbow with one of my suit. Small blind checks. Regan big blind bets thirty five dollars. Loose passive player calls. Then fold. Hero raises to hundred and twenty five dollars. It's hard for me to have many bluffs on this texture, so a gutter overcard and backdoor flush drop. It's a great hand to put in my bluffs. Um, so what do you think on that one? Then I'll do the next one. Uh, I think you could work in a call uh, as well. I, I think that's actually, I, I think that's an interesting bluff. My problem is people in limped boards, for some reason, never believe anybody. And they're, they're going to hold on here quite a bit. So if you're not really firing as many turns or rivers, uh, as much as some people should, but many people do not. I, I really don't like it. Uh, I also would like it if this was actually like a suited board to another suit. Like, let's say this board was uh, actually in a cash game. This isn't as applicable, so I'm gonna I'm gonna change that. But in a tournament, like let's say there's one to your suit and two to another suit, and you raise there and another guy calls. With 40, 50, 60 big blind stacks, it's unlikely he wouldn't have gotten it in with a flush draw with overs. Uh, so you can discount that as part of your range. So the other suit cards oftentimes become part of your outs. Uh, so th that's something that I look for. Uh, it, it, you have to really know the guy's like not going to flat with a flush draw. There are guys who do that, but there's a lot of guys who don't. Uh, yeah, I think it's a fine hand to put into your bluffing range. I don't, I, I, I don't mind it. Uh, uh, this is one of those odd situations. You could make a case for all of them. 
Uh, you could say, like, you don't have that much equity, you can fold, or you could say you don't have that much equity, but the stacks are very deep, you could call, you could discuss all the various backdoors you have and uh, raise, but I, I think it's very player-dependent. What are your implied odds if you hit, if you just call? Uh, how likely are they to give up on further streets than perhaps you could raise? And if you don't have any of those advantages, I think you could just pass. Yeah, it's even cash games like that. I remember it reminds me of the time when I used to play live cash uh, locally. There was like limp, limp, limp sometimes. You know, the whole table's in. It's never, a, I don't think it's a, I could, just from my experience of playing live cash, it's like two, three, six. I mean, that's all over the type of players I used to play. They that's used to true. Work, you know? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's like, you know, six, seven, that's a really, six, five, that's really six, four, all this stuff. Uh, but anyway, you said spoiler, both player folds and hero wins, so um, in, a va- in a vacuum, he was a genius. Yeah, yeah. in that vacuum. <laughs> in that vacuum. Uh, okay, second hand is the value portion. 510NL again, uh, eight-handed. Hero has $1,000, other players cover. Uh, very good reg opens to $35 under the gun. Loose uh, player calls under the gun plus one. Hero calls small blind, ace-queen off. Three ways to flop, ace, five, six, two suits, hero checks, reg bets, $85, the loose player calls, hero raises to $250. I have a lot of draws I want to check raise here, so I instead of a more standard check call line, I think this is towards the top of my range behind sets and a few two-pair combos. Uh, what are your thoughts on this hand? Does it say his stack size? What, what is uh, it says he has a, he has a thousand dollars. Other players cover. I'm not sure if he oh, okay. he's got other players okay, covered. Okay. Other players cover him. I was sure. about to say short stacked. Uh, I like this a lot more. With like short stacks, a lot of times I'll check raise with my really good uh, top pairs here, because yeah, uh, you do want to put it in with. The, uh, there's also this thing where a lot of people think you could never like check raise top pair. Like, you're just not allowed to do that. They think, like, oh, you know, because if you get three bet, you might have turned your hand into a bluff. And if you check raise, a lot of times all the worst aces are calling down. And uh, if he knows this about his opponents, that they're going to be calling down with weaker aces, I really like the play. I'd really ask him to define what their three bet jam range is before he does it. There are rare occasions you could check raise fold here. Uh, but you want to make sure you've already thought that through before you do it. And uh, the great thing about live cash is if you play with people a lot, you'll get the feel for who could like jam a weaker pair here just because uh, I don't want the draws to get it in. Uh, it, it, I don't want the draws to get there and who will like never do that like in a million years. And then if that person puts it in, on you, there are times you consider folding the ace queen, uh, the ace queen. But yeah, I really like the play. I that's something I do a lot, and I don't see a lot of other people do, and it tends to have pretty good results for me. Once in a while, you just value own yourself uh, versus ace king. The other thing that's interesting, a lot of people argue against this play, but it's like if you call, everybody on earth knows what you have. Typically, uh, it's just. And, you know, if the board, like, bricks on the turn, you check, most likely it gets checked around. Uh, if the board comes with the flush draw, you've likely just lost. And, uh, I mean, are you check and it gets checked around? A lot of times the four flush comes. It was, uh, what was the board again? 
To, just to make sure the, I got it right. The board was Ace Five Six Two Suits. Two Two Suits. Okay, yeah. So I, there's just a lot of stuff that could shut it down. Whereas a lot of people will think like, you know, your typical check raising range here is supposed to be Ace Five, Ace Six, Sixes or Fives, and that's not too wide of a range that you could possibly have. And it, like, if this guy's already got an active image, he he'll probably get a lot of calls by Ace Jack, Ace Ten, Ace Nine, Ace Eight. Ace-7, Ace-6, Ace-4, Ace-3, Ace-2, especially those wheel draws. Uh, not really wheel draws, but those, uh, you know, backdoor straight draws I think will call down. Uh, also flush draws I think will call down. But, yeah, if you, as long as you're ready to go with it and know specifically who you do not want to go with it, uh, yeah, I really like the play. Cool. And spoiler again was, well, it's not a spoiler now, but <laughs> both players call the flop raise. Hero shoves $720 on an off-suit king turn. Oh, the reg that's a calls, great card. A- uh, the reg calls, the loose player folds, and the hero wins on a brick river. The reg seems surprised to see my hand. Interesting selection of hands. Only hands he wins. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I see. I see. <laughs> I see. Yes, you're the sickest alive, sir. He was like, he was like, I know I'm sick, but I want Assassinato to tell me just how good I am. But so I'm gonna send in these hands and under the guise of getting analysis. But really, I've been crushing it for years. This is Durr. This is Durr's other account. He just wants to go hear how sick he is. But anyhow, anyhow. Yeah, he says thanks for the feedback. Uh, Thanks for the podcast, and God bless you both. So, God bless. Nice guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, how are we for time? 50 minutes in. Okay, we've got time for one last question. Yeah. Now, I've got two here sort of pasted in for this show, but I'm going to leave the other one to the next show because the net, the other one is a technical question. <laughs> yeah, no, no. So I, I need to, it needs to be four. Is it four? Yeah, we've done one, two... Three. This will be the fourth question. We usually only have time for three, so yeah. the technical stuff seems to keep Alex and clear, concise, bang, bang. Yeah, it's, 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 we've done some. So this is for the people that sometimes say, "Oh, a bit too much ramble or whatever." This is your technical this episode. This was it. This was it. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll we'll post this one in uh, this show, and we'll leave the next one because the next one's a good one. It's about girlfriends and poker and stuff, so we could we go to any time on that one. So this one's from Steve. Uh, first off, love the show. You guys are brilliant, and uh, that's another reason why we put it in this show. <laughs> uh, could you discuss some dynamics with blind versus blind? See, I have ace queen in the small, forty big blinds deep in a tournament. I raise the big blind three bets. I four bet, and he five bets or shoves. Let's say he has me covered or would leave me with five big blinds or something. What's the play here? Obviously, it feels like ace-queen is the nuts, and sometimes it is. But what should I look at in these situations? Thanks. I, uh, for some reason, I thought you said you weren't going to do a technical question. Then uh, you, you, <laughs> you <laughs> gave me a hyper-technical one. But this no, one... I, said, I said we're going to do that. Well, we're doing... Oh, that's what we're, you said. We're going to keep the episode the connection, super technical. The, yeah. the connection got a little wanky. Sorry, yeah. guys. So I probably... Yeah, uh, blind versus blind situations. Uh, I, I think a lot of people really get a little too into this like three bet, four bet, five bet game. Uh, I, I think that a lot of times the three bets are very small. So if you're in the small blind, one play I really like 
Uh, so you're like 40x deep, which I think was the hypothetical here. Um, yeah. you, you're just fine getting that in. Uh, 40x deep, blind versus blind, that's fine. Um, what you're what you're ascribing to like bad play or good play is really just variance. Uh, I don't think you've seen. Uh, I I don't think you've seen the required number of hands to realize it's uh, it's almost always a good idea to get it in there. Uh, with weaker combinations, I find blind versus blind, uh, the spots you can be looking for. Uh, first of all, like if you're in the big blind with like ace queen, a lot of times a guy raises, let's say if like your 40 X is worth a lot at this final table, uh, or at, at just any table, uh, you can just go ahead and call there because you really want to get that hand heads up versus someone. It has a lot of high card potential. And, uh, so even when you miss the board, you still have a little bit of something. And uh, you can three bet, but you don't need to. A lot of times when we're three betting this preflop, it's because we're trying to get this heads up because it just has, uh, it, it's just a draw to one pair type combinations. And one pair type combinations thrive heads up, whereas they don't really do so in a three-way or four-way pot. Oftentimes, uh, it, top pair there will become like the best, second best stand, which can be pretty costly. Uh, a lot of a lot of the plays I like blind versus blind I think are really accessible to anyone. So if you raise small and somebody three bets, uh, a lot of times I like to call instead of like putting my four bet out there. I'll call and then I'll just like lead. Let's say like I opened a two point five x, the guy makes it six x. My four bet was going to be thirteen x. I think something that's really fun to experiment with in the card runner's EV is instead of four betting that thirteen x. I mean obviously do that as well. But uh, go ahead and call with 6x and leave the 7x on any flop. It's very interesting given different stack sizes what the guy can and can't do. Uh, a lot of times uh, the person is really like befuddled in the, the, if the stack sizes are smaller. Uh, the guy really has to shove all in or fold. So a lot of his high card combinations are going to fold, which means uh, given your, I mean, there was like 12, 14x. Uh, get with the Annie's in preflop, you led for 7x, which means your bet needs to work 33% of the time. But, like, if the guy's folding high cards, he's folding 48, 52% of the time. So you have a really, uh, you have a really nice play there, as opposed to, uh, now the hands I don't really like doing this with are like Ace-X offsuit, because then you're blocking a lot of the Ace-X combinations that you want to be folding, so like I'll I'll do this with, you know I I I'll, I'll do this with like small pairs and like small suited connectors. Uh, it it helps if there's like one to your suit on the board. So hopefully you can barrel some turns. Uh, another play, uh, another play I like uh, is if you're in the small blind and you raise and the guy calls and you think like the guy's just gonna call you with anything. Uh, go ahead and leave the flop for like the entire size of the pot, like just the entire size of the pot or over bet the pot or bet two thirds. And, you know, you have to keep it consistent. Like you're going to have to do that with a value combination at some point. But the first time you do it, most people are just going to look at it and go, what? And they're probably just going to fold. And if you bet two thirds the size of the pot, your bet needs to work 40% of the time, but that means your opponent needs to be defending 60% of the time. And many times people are just not going to be doing that. 
especially because they're just expecting a half pot size bet, something that they can field very efficiently. Uh, I'm trying to think of other plays I use blind versus blind. Uh, I'm not really a big fan of the limp in. Uh, I, I find the more the limp comes in, uh, the pardon the pun, the more the the limp becomes like a popular play. I find the more like raising and sea betting works a little bit more, uh, just because people are expecting your range just to be a bit more stronger than it used to be. And uh, those dogs are crying for the end of the show. They're like, man. Eh. <laughs> also, you sneaked in your phone ringing a couple of times there as well. Yeah, I must sure. say, I I win with the phone. Yeah, ring. you want your phone. <laughs> your phone ring was definitely a lot more solid. I have to I have to give it to you. Like that was definitely. If you had a monologue to go with that phone ringing, it would have been like the best thing. Like, uh, what? <laughs> She's dead. Oh my god. All right, I'll be right there. Like, but uh, try uh, blind versus blind tricks. Uh, I think I just gave away a bunch of my really good ones. Uh, the other thing is when you're in the big blind and you flat. Remember, a lot of guys are raising forty percent of their hands and c betting a hundred percent of their hands. So. A lot of times you could just close your eyes and raise to the size of the pot on the flop, and that'll need to work 50% of the time. But, like, if the guy defends with, like, middle pair plus, he's going to be uh, – he's only going to be defending about 30, uh, you know, like 40% of the time. Uh, and so he's going to be folding about 60% of the time. And a lot of times it's even worse than that. It's like he's probably – uh, he's folding even more depending on how weak his range is. A lot of people now are like limping in their aces and raising like their king deuce off, which I don't really understand because it kind of puts them in their, it kind of puts them in some goofy situation. This is just an example of things that like get popular. You know, like poker has a lot of things that get popular, but like nobody can really explain to me like what what really is so beneficial about it. I understand, like, keeping the pot small and everything, but when I see people, like, limping in their stronger combinations and then, like, raising their king-deuce off and stuff, that makes just, like, bluffing you post-flop in your biggest pots in this position, like, as easy as possible. So the upside better be pretty tremendous if you're going to give up that. Uh, now, if nobody takes advantage of that, I understand uh, a bit more. But, yeah, I... I uh, it, it, I, I don't get it as much. But, yeah, I uh, hope I gave you some ideas. And the usual thing goes without saying. Um, check check the HUD and stuff in case it's like a total anomaly, like the guy never four bets from the big blind or whatever. Or, yes, or if sir. you're playing the if you're playing the guy live and you've seen him and it's some old guy that's playing pretty textbook. Well, as soon as you three bet and he four bets, then you pr- you maybe have walked in. You know, although yeah. people say, although like on the rail it'd be oh that's standard ace queen, you gotta get it in there, but. You don't against like the forty big blinds of the guy that's like sixty and he's played like one hand every three hours or something. You know, right, right. if he's if he's four bet and so yeah, anomalies like have that. You, have you like, ever noticed the, I've never said the word standard on this show? No, fifty no, something no. episodes. That, that's pretty standard from a guy like you. Know? <laughs> I, didn't expect, I didn't expect you to say standard. No, I was a standard. Somebody, somebody, somebody showed me. Somebody showed me, like, a video. They were like, hey, poker's on TV. Alex, why don't you watch it? I was at some party or something. So I, like, come over there, and there was an announcer going, yeah, he should probably put it in with the ace queen. This is all pretty standard stuff. 
This is sta- he said stand and then he goes on to say standard like twenty times in four minutes, right? He's like, yeah, you should raise here. That's standard. The other guy moves all in. Okay, that's standard. He ne- she needs to call here. That would be the standard play. Uh, this is this is all pretty standard stuff. And he was making you feel like you should be doing anything else. You yeah. should you should be doing your taxes before you watch poker. Like be or you should you should just be sitting there like. Uh, punching yourself as opposed to watching poker. It was like the most boring thing I'd ever seen. I was like, how is this guy an announcer? <laughs> like, I just don't, I, and 90% of the time when I watch poker, I'm like, how do these people have this job? Like, this is, I, I, I do they just show up the day the station opened and said, hey, I'd like to announce something. Well, we have this poker tournament coming on. Great. Do you know anything about it? No, perfect. You're perfect. Yeah, it's all standard. Yeah, Yeah, it's all standard. And a triple barrel bluff, uh, standard. (laughs) Like, yeah. Well, we have our own standards at OneHour.com. Yes, we do. uh, We don't, we don't, we don't subscribe to that. That was it. I'll tell you. That was good. That's why you get paid the big bucks, sir. I'll, I'll I'll tell you who I like poker commentating, and I never thought like of him as a commentator, but. He did it a couple of years ago, like on the World Series live stream or whatever. Uh, Olivier, what's his name? Busquet. Olivier Busquet. Yeah, he was really good. Yeah, because he knows uh, what he's talking about. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's funny how that works, right? Like they don't, yeah. they don't get, they don't get one of us in the booth who like make our living at this. Well, I, well, even like poker players do this to themselves, like. Antonio Esfandiari was like the last time I watched poker was like the main event, and like I just watched it for a little while. And like Antonio was doing like really good commentary, and but like obviously I don't agree with everything because I know he has a bit of a different uh, scope on how he thinks of poker, and uh, yeah, but like everybody was just like complaining like this is the worst thing ever. I can't believe Antonio like. Or what was it? There was a bluff that Mark Newhouse did. And, like, if you think of, like, the combinations, like, that guy was beating, it was, like, next to nothing, right? And then, you know, and then Antonio goes, this takes a lot of heart, right? And I felt like I was seeing the same thing Antonio did. I was like, yeah, that's not an easy call, the other guy. You know what I mean? And then, you know, I wrote an article about it, and everybody, you know, and I I, I brought up, like, Antonio – Antonio's comment, this takes a lot of heart, right? And everybody's comment was like, the guy said he didn't call right away just because he wanted to make sure because it was a big tournament. This is a stupid play. This is a horrible play. And it's like, because it didn't work. Like, I I didn't like the play either, like, yeah. totally. But, like, it was one of those things. And then they, then they started going off on Antonio. And it was just like, man, I, I think I'm just going to venture out and say Antonio knows a little bit more about tournament poker than you. I'm just guessing, you know. And it's like maybe you don't agree with everything, but you should at the very least listen. But, you know, everybody, everybody, you know, opinions are like mixtapes. I don't want to hear yours. Anyway. Oh, yeah. So I saw you post that. <laughs> um, yeah. hey, that, that line is classic. Now, anyway. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, Alex, usual ending. How can people get in touch with you um, to have their game talked about, dissected, and um, yeah, criticized? together. Yeah. Creatively. creatively yeah, exactly. I'd be at assassinatocoaching at gmail.com uh, if you want to have questions about anything. Uh, be sure to go to pokerhedrush.com. That's like my site. You can also sign up for a lesson there. 
And uh, uh, if you sign up for a lesson there, it's just right under private consultations. That site's pretty fun. It has all the rap battles, strategy articles, blogs, uh, links to like Twitch and everything else. And uh, be, speaking of Twitch, be sure to follow me on twitch.tv slash theassassinato. And you can, uh, yeah, it's uh, be sure to favorite it, and you can watch me playing deep in high-stakes tournaments. And underneath that stream, there's pretty much all the deals we got going on. And, you, you know, you can check out all of that. We got 100K views now, so, you know, mm -hmm. be sure to check it out. And, uh, yeah, be sure to sign up for Card Runners, promo code free month, all capital letters. And, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's been, yeah, it's been a good time, guys. And, uh, be sure to follow me on Twitter at the Auto, Facebook.com slash the uh, no, it's just Facebook.com slash Auto. And, yeah, uh, looks like there might be another battle coming up here, Barry, so stay tuned to, uh, uh, stay tuned to the Twitter to see what's up next. See who, see who's gonna get it next. It's gonna be a good time. Will do. And uh, if you want questions sent into Alex and send them to questions at oneouter.com or tweet them to at oneouter.com or post them in the Facebook group and they will eventually get read out on our show, future show. Uh, until then, thanks for listening and we'll see you all next week. Cheers. Cheers. The Free Buy Super Series is back. From August 28th to September 6th, America's Card Room will host the Free Buy Super Series 2, where you can compete for your share of $150,000 guaranteed prize pool absolutely free. Every one of the 57 events in the Free Buy Super Series is free to enter with guaranteed prize pools starting at $500 and spiral all the way up to the $20,000 main event. Where else can you win a share of $150,000 prize pools without spending a penny. Visit americascardroom.com today.